We made it. It's the week of our home opener, finally. And I could not be more excited. Can't you tell? <laughs> We're taking on our rivals from the capital, Old Glory, D.C. And there happen to be a few tickets remaining, but just a few. So you know the deal. It's our St. Patty's Day Stout Tasting Amazingness Festival with live music from Scottish Fish. We'll also be hosting the Heritage Cup or some of the best local clubs. Duke it out for bragging rights. Freejacks.com for tickets. Let's ride. Former U.S. National Rugby Team Captain. Team Captain. Head Coach and General Manager. General Manager. Now the co-founder and CEO of the New England Free Jacks. Now. Now. Full Contact CEO with Alex Magleby. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining Full Contact CEO today. I am your host, Alex Magleby. I'm also co-founder and CEO of the Round bi-week New England Free Jacks and of course Heritage Sports Ventures. Today's episode is one I have been waiting for forever. Best one yet. Many snows have passed to get this interview on the books. Joining us is an Olympic gold and silver medalist, a Rugby World Cup winner, a total badass. She holds countless achievements on the rugby field. She was recently crowned 15's Breakthrough Player of the Year at the World Cup. More impressive is she just came out with an amazing and inspiring book straight up. And her post-match interviews are stuff of legends that inspire the next generation to enjoy the great game of rugby. It's none other than the amazing Ruby Tui. Welcome to Full Contact CEO. Hey, thanks for that, man. That sounds so nice. It sounds so nice when you see all that. Thank you. You're like, wow, wow. I, am a, I am cool. <laughs> You, you're cool, too. Awesome. I'm so excited. We're going to do a quick warm-up. Say a word, and you just say the first thing that comes to mind. Cool? Okay, cool. The Olympics. Go. Black Ferns. World champions. Straight up. Honest. Better be clear. <laughs> Fun. Mana. Undeniable. Amazing. Well, People don't realize, I don't think, I mean, you've been amazing on the rugby field for the last decade plus, but you started playing rugby in university, very much like the American athlete story, you know, the crossover story. How did you get involved in rugby in the first place? Yeah, geez, thanks to everyone playing rugby in the U.S. I, I think it's the greatest sport in the world, and I think you guys are real pioneers over there, so I love getting involved with USA rugby in any way, shape, or form, so. Yeah, very, very grateful to be here, Megs. Thanks for having me. In, uh, in New Zealand, it's kind of like everybody knows about rugby. Like, you know, all your parents always, every Friday, Saturday, they're yelling at the TV, screaming, knock on, you know, before you even know what any of that means. So I was always kind of around. And to be honest, I moved around a lot as a kid and ended up finding rugby the only option in a couple of small towns. But I, I hated it. Like, I never liked it. And then it wasn't until university, like you mentioned, that I realized women's rugby was a real thing, like it was an actual thing that you could do. And so, yeah, university, my uni hall was right next door to this particular rugby club. I could see it from my uni window. And as a student, we all know the cheapest options often the best. I didn't have to pay for travel because it was right there. You know, the girls were really welcoming. 
paid for all, anything I needed, gave me rides. And so I just fell in love with that part of it, just the, the team atmosphere and the camaraderie. Because you were a great netballer heading into university, right? Yeah, I guess in New Zealand about 10 years ago, girls just played netball. It, it's not that big internationally, but it's really big here. And yeah, all my idols I looked up to were all Silver Ferns. That's the name of the national team. I just, I wanted to be a Silver Fern so bad. I was a bit short though. It's kind of like basketball, like you need a bit of height. So my, every team I got better in and made, as I worked my way up, I got my position kept changing to the shorter ones. <laughs> it's like when you yeah. eat rugby, you start getting closer and closer to the front row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah number goes down. Yeah. Oh, you mean you were, but you were a prolific athlete growing up. I mean, in, in straight up, you talk about how you would show up at a new town. Sound like your family had a lot of transitions, some difficult ones for sure. But then you would find sport and the coaches, you'd show up at a soccer field and they wouldn't quite give you the respect that perhaps you deserved. And then suddenly you'd be scoring the goals and working around the boys and everything else. Like what, how did, how did you become so good even then at that age? Yeah. Jeez. Thanks for reading it, Max. It's uh, every time someone's like, so I, I have almost finished reading it. Like when I picked it up, I couldn't put it down. And so um, a few days ago, but so I'm almost, I'm almost into your prolific rugby career, which I knew about otherwise. But certainly, your young age is yeah. The, there's a couple parts there that I got really angry at or or, or happy about. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, gangster. But yeah, thank you. It's it always means heaps when someone comes on a journey like that with you. So I guess yeah, I had a lot of trouble around me at home as a kid, and so thankfully, like thank goodness to the Lord above. I could, you know, kick a ball around. I could catch and pass. I had a little bit of coordination. I've got hybrid vigor. I reckon my mum's European, you know, like descends from the from Britain. My dad's Samoan, so I reckon collectively I've got real good genes. <laughs> you know, like mum's got real hard metabolism. Dad's real strong. So it's lucky. I'm, honestly, every day I'm like, thank you so much, whoever did this. And so yeah, every school I went to, I might have known nobody and I might have had no friends, but. As soon as sport was the thing of the day, you know, all of a sudden I could fit in quite easy and, and have friends. So, you know, people are like, oh, I such natural talent. But honestly, I think it was a little bit of survival for me, you know, socially and just in my life. It was often the only positive thing thing in there. And I think a lot of sports people can relate to that or anybody with a, with a passion. People kind of smile like it's just, it's easy, but it, it's actually something you rely on and sometimes can save your life. So... I'm so grateful for sport, as I imagine you are. I always wonder how people get through hard times without it. Right. What well, seems, and also seems your your Black Friends teammates, a lot of them kind of have an edge to them based on background. Is that is that something that is that is a common theme that you're finding with you know quality athletes and your teammates? Is that is that a background that's familiar, that's recognizable? Yeah, I think as an athlete, to be, you know, one of the best in the world, you you do have to have something a little bit different. You've got to be off-centre just a little bit. And I guess, yeah, my fight and my drive and my background was my thing, and I've definitely found a lot of teammates with it too. So, yeah, and then coming into women's rugby, you know, we often find ourselves fighting for equity and pay and stuff. But one silver lining I've learned from not being professional and growing up in the sport is everybody's just genuine good buggers. Like they're just good buddy people and they're here purely for the love of the game. And so, you know, the the trainings and 
the expectations of all these teams that everybody's trying to play in just results in this bunch of people that have this intrinsic motivation that's kind of like no other. We often do it for no reward. We just want to grow the game, honour the women who've gone before us and done it for nothing. And, you know, I think a lot of athletes in the USA can probably resonate with just how proud it makes you, like, to play the sport. And so, yeah, no, no one's, no one's, not many people, sorry, have come from very privileged lives. We're here because we love it and, and we do it for nothing but the, the money and the pride in our hearts. It's amazing. And, you know, when you were growing up, it's not like you were seeing women play on TV like you were the men. And your generation has now changed that, which is amazing. Pretty buzzy. Pretty buzzy when a kid's dying near your red or saying, I want to be, you know, Bush Woodman or I want to be Rohe Dement. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe how special that is because the kids, say hey, you chat to them and they're like, what do you, what do you want to do? They're like, I want to be a Blackford. Like, duh. But it's like, man, you know, we just never had that. And so they have no idea how much our minds are blowing. It's quite special. It is really awesome. It's very, very inspiring. So you picked up the game first year at university. And reading it straight up, while you were there, you were also having to pay your own way through university, mm. doing the oddest of jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, far out. Like, I don't know. I just I wanted to make my family proud. Growing up, I saw a lot of, I guess, dead ends and bad choices. And I just, oh, man, <laughs> I just really wanted to make something of myself. And yeah, I get to bloody uni hall and I thought, I don't know, I just was so naive financially. And I thought you could just kind of pay once and it's done. Because there's so many people there, surely it can't be that expensive. But no, nah, you got, you've got to pay the whole time. And so got a rude awakening, couldn't afford it and just begged and pleaded with the people who ran the uni hall. You know, I've I've always believed the only thing in this world that you'll forever have, no matter what happens, is your word. You know, like you can, you'll always have your word. Like I'll turn up at this time, or I'll make, you know, I'll hit this time in fitness, or I'll, I'll, I'll be in this, I'll make this team. And and if you follow through with your word, you know that's you can't put a price on that. And so I said, to, I promised the people there, the bosses, I give you my word, I'll work every day I possibly can to get this money to you. And you know, albeit I was I was actually a few hundred short at the end of the year, but I kept coming back and giving them everything I had, and so they let me stay. Think because you were actually doing it. I think it was the amazing part. Well, the, you know, it's 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 like a team, right? Like you would have had teammates who say, you know, I've got your back. Like I will not stop until the game's over for you. And it's just it's really powerful to have that in a team, you know. So I, I really rate people who can do that, and I try and love it myself. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was a work study at university and the oddest jobs from scooping ice cream to demolition to whatever it took to yeah, get tuition paid for sure. It won't or, yeah. It's like I don't I don't see the kids doing that these days. <laughs> I know. They're all drop shipping online. So. Yeah, exactly. They're way ahead. <laughs> yeah. They're getting paid on the internet somehow. Yeah. No other comments. <laughs> So that was, that was 2010 you picked up rugby, and by 2012, you made the national team? Yeah, so, man, I honestly, a little bit of good timing here. Olympics got named to to include rugby the next the very next year, and, and you know, people like Jonah Lombu were involved in that campaign, so everybody heard about it. Everybody's head in New Zealand kind of turned. We do, I remember hearing the Netherlands and China had already 
um, employed about 40 women to yeah. do sevens for, just for the Olympics. And I was like, whoa, this Olympic thing is big, man. Like countries care. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was huge. Eh? This, it was, it was almost like the country kind of shifted a little bit like, oh, far out. Look at this. Our national sport's got a form in the Olympics. This kind of could be our, our thing. Like this could be the New Zealand thing. Do you remember that Netherlands suddenly were awesome? Rugby sevens. It was amazing. Hard now. And it's because they, honestly, they, they, it was their job from like, I reckon end of 2010. Like they were the first ones to jump on it. Yeah. And they, they were huge, eh? Like they were so good. They're awesome suddenly when they, when they had support. And so you're, you made it 2012. You didn't end up playing. That was my last coaching gig was 2013 Moscow. You were, you did your ACL right before then. Yeah, yeah, the, and you know injuries suck, but geez, it, I reckon it almost changes you as an athlete. It's it, it makes you so grateful to just walk, or like you know, if it's an upper thing, to just tie your hair up or make a cup of tea. Like it, it hits different, and I think if because lots of people don't come back from from them, and I think if you can come back from an injury, you will have a mental advantage. I say that to youngins all the time because I reckon when you first come into you know, high performance or a national team, it's different on your body. And, and, and I see a lot of youngins get, get hit really early on and they, and they think everything's over and they're done. But I always try and say, boy, you're, when you come back, you're, you're actually going to be better than, and it feels like they're getting a year on top of you, but trust me, mentally, it's going to pay dividends and you'll actually be ahead of that player next to you. And I, I see it all the time. I don't know if you're watching the girls lately, the Blackfin Sevens. Have you seen young Georgia Miller, the blonde one? Yes. Yeah, so she's just come through. She got player of the tournament, I think last the last one, which was Sydney, Canada, next week. Pretty yeah, soon. yeah, they're playing again. And she, her whole first year was really hard. She had really bad injury. They, you know, sometimes doesn't get sorted out properly. She's struggling, and I just remember thinking, "You're going to blow the world away." Like she was already amazing, and now she's going to have all this, you know, athletic maturity. I call it like you just understand things a bit differently. And she had, she's just absolutely beaming, unstoppable. You know, Corey, the swing of the head coach of the Sevens, he, can't, he has to pick her now. She's just playing too well. I don't know if you've experienced the same thing, Max, but I don't know. I see it when they come back, they're just different. Yeah, you learn how to have the best pass if your ACL is down or something. But just always being away, you have to ask that hard question, is this what I really want? Mm, I do. do. You know, and that's, that's a hard question to go through because there are so many things you can spend your time doing. And... In order to make it like you have, I mean, that's the, it's, it's a choice. It's not a sacrifice. A lot of people call it a sacrifice, I guess, but it's a choice, it's a great choice, but it, that you're also making choices to not do other things. And that's always the hard part, I think. Yeah. And I think too, people see, people say, oh, you make sacrifices, but then we know it's a choice. But then I feel like in this line of work, people only see, oh, often the positive effects of that choice, but. I feel like as an athlete, you see a lot of negative, yeah. you know, so it's kind of this funny, like everyone's like, woo, and you're like, woo, but often behind closed doors, it's really hard, you know, like you have really hard times, go through really hard stuff. So yeah, you got to sit there and be like, flip, is this really what I want to do in those times? And also I find if you get a knockdown, you get this mindset of, I've just got to find a way to do this. Like when you can't walk, it's like, I've just got to find a way to have a shower today, or I've just got to find a way to do this in it. That mindset, you know, solution focus really helps you out later on when it gets hard too. I mean, there's some moments in, in Straight Up you talk about that where you went through some real life challenges. I mean, how did you at a young age like that, 
you know, if it's okay that I share here, mm. you, you, you saw Meredith, a friend of your dad's pass away, OD, and that caused you to be like, what's the point? What, what am I doing? How did you get through like a moment like that? Especially when you didn't have a lot of support around you. Yeah. And I, I, tr- I go into the schools and talk to not just the kids, but like the teachers and the mentors. And I don't think we realize the effect of showing a kid, you know, like some sort of positive, loving, you know, like I, I just genuine kindness. And it could be a short-term relationship, but, a, but the, if the connection is really positive, I reckon it has a massive effect. And when I was going through that hard time and, you know, I, I never, ever will blame my parents, but emotionally they were very much unavailable to me. And I remember having this inkling that there must be something, like I've seen bad, I've seen this, I've seen death, but man, surely there's got to be, I've met nice people and surely there's got to be some other way to live life. And my auntie, I talk about my auntie in my book, she was huge, like whatever time she spent with me, it was really positive. She was really kind, always loving, never said no. You know, there were a couple of teachers. I had an uncle that I didn't see often that was the same. And so those those interactions that you have with kind people that, you know, you know what I mean? Like you see a kid and you go, oh, hey, and you just you can just walk by. Or you can stop with the kid, get down on their level and be like, just ask some questions. And I had a kid, I was doing a charity auction the other morning. She, you know, heartbreaking stuff. She's about five or something. She's got leukemia. She had the tubes all in her nose and that and of course really nice point of view on life making all the rest of us feel inadequate but we walked we were hanging out she was talking to me and she grabbed my hand and we walked up and there were all these people there there was no music and she just goes excuse me Ruby and I was like yeah mate she was like can we dance and you know initially my initial reaction was like oh there's all these people watching like we're gonna look like eggs there's no music like this is we're gonna act like mental like yellow I was like oh no like and then I was like, no, she just wants to dance. Like, you know, let's, and then, so we just started boogieing with no music together, you know, like, you know, like, bunker it. Let's show the, let's show the group on a vibe. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, when a kid, you know, I think, I was, because she's not asking to dance with no music. She's asking for a little bit of connection, a little bit of positive connection. I think those little moments, if you can give kids that, that, that curiosity comes in of, there's got to be like a better way to do it. And so, like, you know, just dancing with the kid with no music, just even if you met them that one day, I reckon it, it, it sets something off positive in their mind, and I reckon that's what got me through. It was just this curiosity of, of no, I swear I've met nice people. There's got to be another way to do this. There's be another way. And that little spark you can scaffold around, which is, which is really amazing. You said, you said it, you know, going back to your parents, that they loved you, just sometimes people don't know how to show their love. And I thought that was a brilliant way to reframe what was perhaps some from negative moments in your life it was it was absolutely brilliant just switching gears away from kind of the, the rugby piece for a bit you know you, you had your your close Samoan family from your dad's mm-hmm. side and a lot of time with them and being a part of this more secure family unit and and, and then you know you grew and you you were you became a you, you won a public speaking contest in high school you know, you did a test to like be a journalist. You, you know, when you speak in front of a crowd, you're, you're brilliant. Are all of these things connected? And then also your book is very philosophical at times, right? Almost theological, not in, in, not in a negative sense, but actually like, oh, wow, that's a really sound nugget of advice that I would love to carry forward. 
did did you get that from there or is this just these things that you've picked up throughout your life? Are they connected? Well, I, they have to be connected, right? Every single part of you has to be connected in some way, whether we fully comprehend it or not. And I guess, you know, that's a really cool part of reflection or like I, I have no shame in saying I love, you know, seeing my counsellor. I love seeing my psychologist because it's just constant self-reflection, therefore self-awareness. And I always tell people, if you don't know where to, like, if you're like, everyone's always like, follow your passion. But like, that's really difficult to find sometimes. I always encourage people in a safe environment with, within a relationship that you trust, go find like what you're most kind of embarrassed about or shameful about in that pain. And, and you know, once you've, uh, I encourage a safe, safe environment. It can't just be with any random at the pub. Like this could go, hey, why if you do it wrong? But in a safe environment that you've developed, go into the pain and like go, what, like, what is that? And so my family migrated. So there was a lot of like shame and mum. Maori called it mum. Why does that mean? Like, uh, like a little bit of soreness or heaviness on your heart. Yeah, so there was a little bit of mamai with migrating and coming to New Zealand being embarrassed. So I really dove into that and why and man, it helped me understand my dad and everything and and it made me it motivated me to just try my absolute best in everything I do and my granddad's decision to come to New Zealand and watching my granddad, just one of the greatest orators or speakers ever. And so I, he was the head of our family. Everybody looked up to him. And so to me, I looked up to somebody who can get a message across. Like I always, I've always, I always meet such amazing people and have amazing, they're just beautiful, beautiful people, but the world doesn't know. Yeah. You know, and, and, and and sometimes I'm like, I want to lift them up and hold them up on my shoulders, you know, and, or I want to go flip, I'll, I'll speak for you and I'll, I'll get, cause you're so beautiful, you know, and. So sometimes I feel like a, what do you call that? Like a, it's not always my message, but I will happily help you get it across to the world. Like, what do you call that? Messenger. Messenger. Yeah. But yeah. Sometimes I feel like, yes, like a, yeah, a speaker. Yeah. And so I've learned if I can find anything passionate, like women's rugby, you know, the growth of, the, of rugby in general, and then I can link in my granddad and stuff like that. Like I'll, like I'll be able to get that message out. And it's also on my mum's side when they come over from Scotland a couple of generations back. My great granddad actually played for New Zealand League. They were called the All Blacks because All Blacks hadn't patented the name yet. So the League All Blacks back in the day, you know, he was the people's champion. He was a great, huge man as well. So, you know, like looking into my past and things that sometimes cause pain for my parents, I kind of, I try and work through that pain, look past it and then be like, Man, what are they? this is just me. Like this has just always been me. This is who I am, and you know, some days are hard, but it's just what I got to bloody do. It's just I totally think it's all connected. I think we're connected in more ways than we actually can fathom. You know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I spent a summer on Matareva Beach in Samoa, and oh, uh, yeah, just the, the the command that the elders had just in the village in yeah, general no. was amazing. But also their oratory skills were fantastic and. I've never been more uncomfortable sitting there for. <laughs> that's hilarious. I love yeah. it. Actually, hilarious. But like, and that's like part of it before, you know, these books, which often are in English, oratory or storytelling was all we had. It's, it's actually a huge part of Polynesian culture. 
And I, I definitely, I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I never take any of that lightly. Like it's, if you have, if you've got a position where you can speak, you know, my granddad make sure and say it right, you know, and say it proper. That's that, to be honest, that's why I wrote the bloody book. I didn't want to, man. You, you know, bearing all your bloody stuff out there. You yeah. know, have you got a book yet? No, absolutely not. Huh? No, you have to. It's, it's a crazy experience. Right. I, it's just like when, when, and then when do you do it? You know what I mean? Like you have to write a, a another book in a few years. Like there's other thing, eh? Like everyone, I've, I don't know any other rugby player that's written a book while they're still bloody playing. It came but out just, before the World Cup, didn't it? I know. You know, that was an actual mistake. So I was meant to, I was meant to have it done like six months before because I'm. Everyone says you're so busy, Ruby. Part of that is because my work on is time management. So the publishers were at me, like, Ruby, because there's all these processes, legal processes. And I had a couple months during lockdown, but after that, I was chocker. So I was trying to bloody, and I can't read fast. So you got to, and I'm trying to write it, do all this thing. And so it was months and months late. And I was meant to go, I thought I was going to the Com Games. So it was kind of meant to be much earlier in the year before I went to the Com Games. But geez, there was no way. I had no chance. And so they were kind of a bit, I would, I would, they probably wouldn't say mad now because it's sold so well, but I reckon they're a little bit mad, like Ruby, come on. And then I was like, it's all good, like, don't even worry. And then so it just bloody came out the World Cup. We won the World Cup and it bloody bloke, like, what's for Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> so good. But speaking of, right now you're not playing rugby. You're taking time out or what's your plan? Yeah, there's lots of moving parts at the moment in my life but yeah I guess today I'm not playing rugby but I you know I definitely want to I definitely I definitely plan to play footy again I just it's it's a funny one eh? I just feel like I'm in this position where I have a bit of a responsibility to make sure you know people are following through with what they say and the game's going in the right direction I'm just making sure that my heart and my passion is still being honoured and my heart's in the right place with my next step moving forward. Is, is Are you having to spend a lot of time managing and being active, helping the women's salaries and other pieces that haven't been in place since? Is that where you're having to spend a lot of time? Yeah, I don't, it's, I've definitely learned, like I'm on a couple of boards, I've learned it's not that simple to just come in all guns blazing and go, pay us money. Like it's, I used to think that was the way, but there's there's so many moving parts and it's just been a, a really massive learning and, you know, part of it is I've learned we can't move. It's difficult to move forward, advance as a country isolated, as, as in, you know, we want more tests as Blackfords. Well, we actually need the rest of the countries for those tests. Therefore, our seasons all have to align and, you know, like there's, there's so many more moving parts. Calendar, when I maybe calendars all over the place. The yeah, exactly. Ever. There's not, there's not, hadn't been historically an agreed to when that was really hard when we were managing test matches for the U.S. There was just, you can't plan. And then if you can't plan, you can't commercialize it. You can't prepare the athletes properly. And then everything's, you're doing everything after the fact. And it's just not a way to run a business, little a sports entertainment property. Yeah. No, so sometimes, some days I feel like we could go two steps forward, one step back, but. Yeah, I'm just trying to make sure it's I'm doing right by all the black friend past, I guess. So, but mate, I'm bloody I'm over it. Eh? I really want to play again. Like, <laughs> are you going to go back in the sevens or fifteens or both? I'll probably I 
I probably wouldn't play sevens for the current management again, but I, I love them all dearly and I follow them very closely and I'm, I think I'm going to have to go to Hong Kong in some way or another, maybe watch or something because I'm getting so much time over that. But 15s, I don't know if you heard the bloody news, but Alan Bunting got the head coach gig, so you can imagine our combos we're having. So, yeah, like I said, he was your original sevens coach, right? He was, man, for about, for two campaigns, so nine years. I think as an athlete, probably any, any employee, if you, if you align, if your values align with your boss or your coach, oh, it's pretty special and it's actually quite rare. And we're both, we both would put culture above all else. Like there's not many coaches who say, you know, yeah, this is, we're playing for our family. And then a week out from a huge comp, you go, oh, my family needs me. And he goes, you go with my blessing. Like it's actually very rare. Coaches usually are like, no, 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 I don't, you know, you need to stay. We're playing soon. So he's, he's an amazing dude. And he's so courageous how he coaches in that fact. And I'm very much culture first. Like I'd, I'd win or lose happily with a good culture. I've, I've lost with a bad culture and I've won with a bad culture. And it's, you probably know, it's just, it's actually exhausting and not great for the mental. Nobody's having a good time, even when you're winning, you know, so it's, we, we both rate the same things and it's, I've learned how special and rare that is. That's okay. I think I played against Alan in sevens, early 2000s. Oh, really? <laughs> you know who that reminds me of is Mike Rogers, who's here with us with the Free Jacks. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah, he, oh man, I almost worked with him one time, didn't get to, so it's cool he's gone over there. How does the USA rugby? Is going good? Yeah, it depends on what party you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> is it, it up the field? we got World Cups coming, this is great. You know, now, they, now there's professional men's rugby. There, the, there's a sevens pro little circuit. There's the, both the Olympic programs, you know, are funded enough that at least the athletes can train full-time and get paid for that. But oh. in terms of like a connected, everything's moving in the same direction. There's agreed to vision. That'll, that'll be a while, I think. Right. We say rugby really was affected by the pandemic, went into bankruptcy. Mm. The union itself, the union itself has no dollars and never really has. So in order for it to play a role like it, like you see in other countries, it's, it's just not the typical American model. Or probably mm-hmm. we'll see happening as as the professional game grows, and that'll you know be women probably in the not too distant future as well. That'll probably be be the 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 anchor that pulls everybody forward as is more of a commercial and as opposed to a you know that Commonwealth model of a union of kind of dictating everything. That's just not mm-hmm. how sports typically operate in the United States. Yeah, it's a classic model. You're good in high school. You go to university. That's where there's a lot of investment and facilities and coaching. You do well there, and then you play professionally. And in the off time, professionally, you play for your country. You see that with every other sport. I mean, the U.S. universities create more gold medals for every country around the world than any country does on their own outside of you know China and a few others, right? So, you know, whether it's rowing and you know, Kiwi rowers coming over after they've they've done well or vice versa. And you see that everywhere. And so how does rugby work in this country in time? And I don't think it'll be purely a scholastic model, perhaps on the women's game and then into the professional game. Probably on the men's game, it'll still be a bit more sporadic and then into the professional game. That would be my guess. But it's, yeah, it's still all over the place. A lot of good is happening. It's just not connected yet. Maybe the best one. Oh, that's so interesting. That's, that's really interesting because... I feel like USA, in terms of Olympic meddling in rugby, 
are always there or thereabouts. Like they, you guys do really, really well on occasion, un, unbeatable. And so with all that going on, it's like far out. Imagine once there's a bit of a system, I reckon yous will be interesting. Mags, we have to come over and have a look. You're going to have to come hang out. You know, Stacey came to visit because our brother Bodhi oh, yeah. was playing with the Free Jacks for a long time. And hopefully he comes back after his stint in Japan. It would be great to have him back. But she was fantastic. And I think she really loved it. You guys could come over together. You can come over. Yeah, definitely. Let's do a trip for sure. That'd be great. So when do you think you're going to jump back in potentially the rugby side? If not, what are you going to do? Yeah, so I, what do we say? We're just, yeah, I'm just making sure there's, the, the I's have been dotted and the T's have been crossed before I go head first into it. I guess different part of your career, right? Ten years ago, we've just taken every opportunity and said yes, yes, yes. But now, yeah, like I said, I feel like I have a bit of responsibility the rest of my, you know, women's rugby players are all around the world, really. I, I've got visions for New Zealand rugby. I want I want Super Rugby Opiki, which is the women's side of our super comp, to be actually professional. I want it to be, you know, I want all the women players around the world to go, oh, flip, man, look at that Super Opiki. I want to be in that, you know, and I want there to be a couple of international spots, but it's really hard to make them. And, like, I just want that comp to just be roaring. I want it, everybody in there to be able to play Black Ferns level and, just, you know, I've got, I really want to help all that work. I've got massive vision for FPC and with Alan Bunting in at head coach, I feel like he'll, he'll listen, like he'll listen to the players and, and, and how we think we can improve it. Cause I've also learned, you know, it's one thing to complain about what's going on, but that really doesn't get you anywhere. You've got to come in with solutions. So I don't have a real answer for that, but as soon as I can, I want to be playing again. I don't know who's saying yes first to everything you know my solutions but well yeah as soon as I can I just I love the game so much I am you know I'm just turned 31 so you know I've got to train very hard for whatever team I make but I've I've never done anything half pie and any any team that you know would have me I'll I'd put my heart and soul into so I'm I'm actually really excited to see Rand when I play next after I've I do lots of commentary Man, it's funny, eh? I was like, so I'm on this, I've had a couple of months off, and I thought I'd have all this time. But man, it's the bloody opposite, mate. I was just about to ask, your life is must, how has it changed, really, is the question. I mean, since kind of the Olympics and that interview blew up, and you guys won, and then it's just kind of built up through the World Cup on home soil. How how has life changed? And now with the... Yeah, oh, that bloody book, eh? Like, oh, shit, grateful. I'm bloody grateful about it, but... I guess, yeah, I, I had no, I just did not anticipate that book. And, you know, it took bloody all day to write it. So it took ages to write the thing, took ages, I had to review it, the legal process, everything, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, oh, yeah, sweet, done. Oh, I've you're winning Olympics. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to concentrate on the bloody. No biggie. Yeah, so I, yeah, I thought I'd write it. Sweet, there's a picture of a woman drinking player and on the shelves, job done. Yeah. Oh, mate, that was a bit naive of me to think, wasn't it? So then I got to go on this book tour. And I'm I'm quite I love a good yarn. I love connecting with people. So usually, apparently, rugby players just you, the people line up, you sign it, and carry on. But I just it's not I'm not built like that. And so these book signings were taking hour like five hours straight. I'm just you know what's your name? Yeah, man. What do you, you want to publishers like, friends? like yeah. my publishers were standing there like Ruby, you need to cut this out. So every stop I had, they had to cut the line. Like which breaks my heart. The last tour, they didn't even tell me. They were like. No, no, Ruby, don't worry. We got everyone. And then I, people come up to me months later and go, 
no, they cut that line. And I was like, oh, they, so they ended up having to spin yarns to me to just get me to stop talking to people. So then I had the book tour and then the book tour was done. So I was like, oh yeah, sweet. I've job done. I'm finished now. Anyway, now I've got to go around and talk to people all about the book and keep signing the book. Oh, mate. So it's, yeah, it's just been absolute carnage. I think like the other week I took like seven flights all over the place, you know, and I've got, it's funny, I'm, my mum or like family or, oh, I was, what was I doing last night? Booking in with my psychologist. I try and see them as often as I can. And I kept turning the page of the diary because there were no spare days. Do you have like a favorite coach? There's not a lot of women head coaches yet. And is it mm. your generation that needs to come through? But then we start seeing that. Do you have a favorite coach and why? Yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll see that coming through. It's definitely coaching is requires a lot of confidence. Eh? Like I've learned head coaches are more kind of people managers, you know. So some woman I know really good at the skill set stuff, technical, but maybe not the people. And then some are good at people, not so much technical. So think women's rugby players were all learning what kind of coach we want to be and what the reality of that is. I've I've already talked about it, but I had, I, it's annoying. I always answer the same person, but it has to be Bunce just because of our alignment of values. I, I've learned how special that is, just even in like friendships or relationships or anything. It's it's actually really, really special because we're all such complicated beings, right? But because I, I've already talked about Bunting, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about some of these. So first of all, Huge respect them coming to to hit over to women's rugby. Big move, you know, it hasn't been done before. Yeah, and it seems, yeah, his legacy was in place, right? He didn't have to do it for his legacy. That guy has done everything, you know, and he was, yeah, he was just such a such a genuine guy. I guess women's rugby because we're still developing, we don't always get unreal coaches, and so there's often I've I've seen it so many times. Just in my early years, the women players know like a thousand times more than the, than the male coaches, you know, and it's just hilarious. The conversations you witness and all the rest of it, you get on the field and they're like, oh, if what he said, we're doing this, you know, bloody hilarious stuff. But now as the years going on, get more professional, it's, you have to work with the coaches. And so Smithy walks in, eh, and he just, he's got no ego. He knows his stuff works. And I, and I think when when a coach has no ego, the collaborations are just so much more powerful because he's not, it's not, no one's offensive. It's just like, oh, Smithy, what this? And he's like, oh, yeah, let me look at this. Da -da, let's try this. Da -da. Or he's like, oh, yeah, I see where you come from. I've tried that in 19, you know, in 99, and this is what happened, and he'll show you. And he'll be like, so if you, you buy in with me, and if it doesn't work, we'll try that, but I promise you this is going to work. And bloody, it always did, you know. So it was, he was just such a genuine person. He just exuded kindness and just security within himself. It was a game changer, eh? It was just like, oh, geez, Matt, this guy is a bloody professor, you know? And I learned we we got to have, we have to have certain afternoons and days where we don't do rugby. But this guy, bro, he doesn't switch off. He's rugby. So he's rugby as well. So I learnt if I went and there was this one afternoon a week where you're not allowed to do rugby, but I learnt that if I snuck into it over in his room, he's always, he, it doesn't even matter we're not supposed to be doing rugby, he's always got his laptop out and the screen's all ready to go. And so I learnt if I go in that, that little half an hour block, I'd get this bloody super class on rugby. What a ticket time. Yeah, yeah, so I, well, I'm not supposed to, but I, I'm always bloody thinking about it too. Just, 
and I'm just sneaking it. And then we just end up talking about this or the England defense or when I'm running for fullback, he'll he'll put he's already got all this stuff up, eh? And he'll just pause it and be like, you know, tell me what you see here. Like just incredible. Like I feel like in those eight months he come over, I I would have got a good couple of years of just growth as a player. Like, bro, nice. if you ever get the chance to talk to that man, do it, yeah. Well, a little bit off, hey, off center, but that's what <laughs> deservedly so. It was like I was coaching the U.S. men's sevens. Like one day a week, I would I would work with the women's sevens. It would just be me. Rick Saget would just like, take the team. And the difference between going from the men's team at the time, where you'd be like, okay, I think we should do this, and this is what we're thinking. Does this work? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we'll run through a brick wall. And uh, with the women's team, it was like, why, 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 Bro. why? why? And they've all they've all become very good coaches. It's like Katie Dowdy, Emily Bidewell, we're all in that group. And it's just like, why? I think no, just because we're gonna try it. Yeah. We have an hour and a half. Why? <laughs> no, but so like like because I even did coach I coached a bit when you know when I was at uni and crushes, so like I was very young, 18, 19, coaching high school teams. And I found the same thing. Like the boys, the rugby team, flip, I could just no talk back. They wouldn't even tell me they were tired. I mean one time. Like I was, we were doing fitness and they were like, fine. I was like, oh, that's weird. Okay, we'll do this one. Anyway, about five of them come in over the, as they cross the finish line, they just start power checking because they were so buggy. And I was like, oh, what? You didn't even say anything. Like, what the heck, bro? Like, they, like you said, they will run through a brick wall, not even talk back. And then, yeah, like the woman, you know, I, I reckon it's because, I don't know, I've got no scientific evidence. But I reckon it's because, you know, we've all, in New Zealand anyway, so sorry, I can't help you in the U.S., but we've all kind of come from these backgrounds. We've made it on our own, independent airs. So, like, you know, we get to the team. I'm not just going to listen to you. Like, do you even know what you're on about? You know, like, you've got to re- kind of, you got to earn that kind of trust. And then so that me and Buttons have even talked about it, the, the, especially at the beginning, you've got to say, I, we're doing this because of this. Or show the clip and be like, look, you are terrible at this. We've got to do it a hundred times through your model. Yeah, like it's it's actually, it's incredible. But I also find the flip side of that is once you once you click into that, you know, emotional buy-in, oh, watch out. Like watch out. Crazy. You know? Do you have a favorite memory? Is there one or two? Maybe we start with an Olympic memory. I mean, you did craziness of Rio and then Japan sin people. Like what's did you have one of those memories that was more outstanding than another? Yeah, I really struggled at Tokyo. Eh? Like it was so mean, what winning that gold, but oh, honestly, I was so sore. I just, I just felt pain all the time. <laughs> I think some of those tournaments, eh, you're just like, oh, yeah, I remember the pain. Probably. So in Tokyo, because of COVID, we didn't get presented our medal. We had to present it to each other. Yeah. And I was number one, and Reese Potty Lane was number two, and she went to, she was trying to put it on me first. And I said, Reese, can I, can I put it on you first? Because she was, so she will forever be now the first ever person in the world, I believe, to win a, she won gold at the Youth Olympics for rugby. No New Zealander's ever done that because it hasn't been in there. And then she was the first ever New Zealander to put a medal on, to put a gold medal on for rugby at the Olympics. Maybe. So she's like, yeah, she, I really wanted her to be the first to do that because I'd never done that. No one's ever done that. And so... And she she let me do it, so I think just that was a little cool thing between us. She she was the first New Zealander 
to wear gold medal for New Zealand as a youth Olympian and an Olympian. And really? I got to put it on her neck. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That is very cool. One of many great memories. My, I, my favorite though, bro, has to be World Cup, man. That, that hit different. You started to get the crowd to sing? <laughs> it's funny. Everyone, everyone like asks like, what the, why, why, how, you know, how could you possibly do that? But it just, it's like, why would I not? That's how I saw it, you know? Yeah, cool. It was amazing. It was, it was brilliant. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. And the power of sport and the power of song, I think is something that is lost in society nowadays in a lot of ways. Singing yeah, culture. Things. Yeah. Like the Welsh do it really cool, eh? The Welsh. Yeah, really, really cool. It's awesome. Last question I ask everybody. If you're in my shoes and you're running, you know, Free Jack Sports Entertainment in the United States, in rugby, trying to grow the game, what are you focused on? Well, first of all, I absolutely love and adore that you do that and we need to have another conversation about how you can help me set up a team over there because okay. that's just so cool okay just because I'm a fields person I'd go what why do you why did you play rugby and why did you pick it and how did you feel when you were like whoa I love being in this team and I think all of us rugby players have that moment especially union there's a position for every shape and size yeah there's a position for every shape and size and if you can Get other human beings to feel that your your job is actually done. And if you get them to feel that often enough and for each other and right in the right context, e.g. after a match or during a fitness session, you can get somebody to go, brother or sister, I'm with you right here. If you can get them to feel that, the outcome will just probably take care of itself and the people will come to you. They'll want to play for you. And camaraderie and you know, people welcome from all walks of life. As long as you're willing to do the work and commit to it, it's brilliant. You don't, you don't forget how you feel, eh? how someone makes you feel. How do people get a hold of you over social media? What are your handles? Yeah, it's just, it's just my name, Ruby Tui, at Ruby Tui on all platforms. My Twitter just got by hack, so I'm trying to sort that out with Twitter at the moment. Elon Musk is after you. Yeah, no, he, do you know what? I reckon he's mad because I just tried to set up Starlink, but it didn't work. <laughs> he probably heard me talking about it, eh? Sorry, Elon, I'll get on to it. <laughs> Folks, you can get it on Amazon. Kindle. Where else? Can you get a hard copy yet? Soft copy? Soft, a paperback yet? If you can get a Well, apologies, but not really, because all the all the hard copies just sold out before they've... No, sure, they so <laughs> so we just, there's a reprint just gone on, but if you go onto my Instagram, there's a link in my bio with availability okay. in New Zealand, Australia, and then worldwide. But yeah, I, I downloaded the Kindle edition. It was super easy. Try to also get the Audible edition, but you haven't yet done an Audible one. Yeah, because that, that story I told you about how I didn't write it in time. Well, geez, yeah. I didn't bloody speak it in time either. Did I, can you imagine like sitting there for hours? Like, I had to just, oh, no. They were just so peeved off at me for not writing it in time. They were, they were just like, oh, because I was supposed to. I was supposed to do that too. Yeah. One day, surely. Hey, Kindle, you can get in the States and go to Ruby's Instagram link tree to also get access to Everybody, thanks for listening to the latest episode, the best one yet. I'm Full Contact CEO. Stay tuned for a slate of exciting guests in the world of sports, business, entertainment, and of course, rugby. Don't forget to subscribe and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and listen in however you get your podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Ruby.
Thanks. And everybody supporting rugby, I love you all. Peace and love. Boom. Ha, ha, ha.